Hey everyone, and welcome back to Cutting Through the Noise. My name is Kyle Pucko, and today we talked with Mara Gatch, the Vice Chancellor at Montana State University Northern. We talk all things higher ed marketing, how she got her start, what she loves about the job, and advice for marketing professionals getting into the field. We think you're really going to like this episode. If you have any questions, feel free to leave them in the comments. Hit us up at team at pintlergroup.com. And if you're interested in being a guest, also email team at pintlergroup.com. We look forward to talking soon and enjoy this episode. Okay, and just like that, Maura, we are live here with Cutting Through the Noise. Welcome to our podcast. Really excited to have you today. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners? Okay, my name is Maura Gatch. I am the Vice Chancellor of Enrollment Management at Montana State University Northern, which is up in Haver, Montana. Um, We are the only four-year public university in the upper half of the state, and we're pretty proud of that. Um, I have been here at Northern starting my sixth year, and before that, I have had a varied background everywhere from teaching in the K-12 area to being the director of sales and marketing for a national hotel brand to coaching college athletics. So um, this is a great opportunity for me to take my past and kind of put it in one job. Yeah, all across, all across the board. And has that been all across the country? Because here you are on the highland of Montana, but where did, uh, where did your career start? Uh, my college coaching career actually started in Nebraska at a small school called Shadron State. Um, so I was been in Nebraska, I've been in North Dakota where I coached at another college up there, and then um, have lived in South Dakota. I lived for a short time in Europe when I played overseas, um, and then have moved to Montana and have kind of made my way north and west. So Very cool. <laughs> um, so college campuses, sounds like kind of a theme in your career outside of the sales and marketing job with a major hotel chain. Yeah. I would say it's not necessarily college, it's education for me. Um, education. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Um, and you found yourself now at Montana State University Northern in Haver. Uh, and you started there in student support services, is that right? No, I actually started off in admissions and then moved up um, from, I was an admissions specialist for about four months and then became the director of admissions. And then from there, I moved over to the director of student support services, which is a federally funded TRIO grant, Um, was the director of that for a short time, wrote that grant actually that we just received last year. So close to a $2 million grant for five years um, we received. And then- became the executive director of enrollment management. And then a year after that became the vice chancellor and added financial aid, some tutoring and some marketing under my wings as well when I moved up. Yeah, plenty of plates spinning, yeah. it sounds like, <laughs> which has yeah. always been a theme. You know, I've been up to have her a couple times now and it always seems like there's a lot happening uh, yes. on the high line. You mentioned being the only university in the top half of the state of Montana um, for those sort of unfamiliar with their geography, would, is it safe to say that that is about the size of New England, that you're the only university, that, you know, the upper half of the state of Montana? I'm not really great with geography. You could definitely tell from my past. I did not go into that field. Um, but <laughs> yes, I would definitely say probably the size of Idaho, um, if not even larger than that. So, yeah, a lot of land up there. Yes. A lot of land. So outside of that, statistic, you know, being, being up there at, in Haver, what, uh, what are some other ways when you start in admissions that students, maybe not from the High Line, were coming to MSU Northern? What, what were some of those reasons and what were some of the value propositions that 
that your admissions team was communicating to folks, maybe out of state, that were looking at colleges in Montana? Um, I think the first thing is we are a member of the Western Undergraduate Exchange Program. So for us, it was value. Our WUI tuition, which is the Western half of the country, is more affordable than a lot of them to stay in state in California and Oregon and Washington. Um, so the value of it coming in was really strong, but then also what we give our students. So we um, here at Northern were ranked number one in the state and number 15 in the nation for economic mobility. And so that takes students in the lower 20% and by the time they graduate, we graduate them in the top 20%. So their earning potential yeah. is so strong after coming through here and our industry partners. And so that was kind of always for us is, yeah, you can go to college. A business degree is a business degree is a business degree, but it's all of the added benefit that we have here with our connections to companies like Kiwit and Warzilla and how we're able to get our students connected through co-ops and through internships to then go on and be successful. Yeah, that's really great. Um, I feel like sometimes Haver is a hidden gem up there on the Highline. When you're coming down, heading east from Highway 2, and you know you can see the town up on that hill, it's, it's a pretty impressive sight looking out over the town and saying, wow, there's a, there's a population center here, and there's things happening. And it's, uh, it's exciting. I'm sure being a part of the university up there um, feels like quite the family too, I would imagine. Yeah, it's really fun. Um, there are times it's not great. If you are on a timeline, you got to run into a store and get out. Everybody knows you and wants to stop and talk to you, um, <laughs> right. even though you're on a timeline. But it is, I think the town and gown relationship that Northern has with the community here is one of the strongest ones that I've been around. Um, we wouldn't be anywhere we were without our community. I mean, we had our first home football game on campus ever on Saturday, and we had a $3 million stadium that opened all through private donations. Um, and we did it in less than a year and a half in the middle of a pandemic. And so yeah, that's remarkable. It, I mean, it was a really great environment, but it was also the year and a half up to it where everybody was just there willing to help everybody is something you don't get a lot of places. Yeah. Wow. Um, so cutting through the noise, we, our focus is marketing, of course, and sort of the digital space performance marketing side of things. Um, your career, you know, has taken some turns on in the sales and marketing vertical and then sort of dipped your toes out of that water. Uh, would you consider yourself now in a vice chancellor role to be completely removed from that? Or if somebody says, oh, the vice chancellor role doesn't involve any sales or marketing, that would be a crazy statement to make. Yeah, I'm 100% still in that world. Um, really? We have, yep, we actually, I was lucky enough about two years ago when I became the executive director of enrollment management to switch one of our recruiter roles to a social media and communication specialist role. Um, so we now have a full-time person who does our social media, our email campaigns, all of the kind of the digital part of that that we never had before. Um, and they report directly to me. So it all lives still in my realm. Um, and it's been a huge transition on this campus to really look at the value of what that one position could do and actually take someone off the road, lose that position from hitting high schools because it's that important. That was a hard shift for some people, but that's where the world is and we couldn't have gotten where we are without it. What sort of prompted you to make that change in your staffing to take somebody off the road and put them in that role? Seeing where kind of college admissions is going. It's not the setting a table up like we used to do in a college fair. That's not where students are. Students live on their phones. Students live in the digital world. And if we didn't kind of keep up to date with where our students are, we would be doing us a disservice. So 
I would say that positions a huge impact that we wouldn't get if it was just traveling the high schools. Yeah, seems like the total number of students that position can reach through social media, through some advertising online versus how many students could reach, like you said, standing behind a table. And there's still, you know, there's some college fairs that you want to be present at and make those connections and talk with parents and students face to face. But definitely your point about um, the trends moving toward online resonate with, uh, with my experience in higher ed. So that's, that's cool to hear. Um, so what's next in higher ed marketing and enrollment? What is the next five years? A lot's changed in the last five years. You've been at MSU Northern for six years. And I'm sure that you know, there's, if you looked back on the first day versus now, the amount of things that have changed have been monumental. But do you have predictions about how students are getting their information about colleges, how they're making their college searches? What, what trends should higher ed professionals be thinking about? I would say email has now become the direct mail um, mm. that it used to be. Email was the cutting edge probably about seven, eight years ago where it was all of the rage and that's how you reach students. But now it's just like sending, honestly, it's like sending direct mail. Um, mm. We had orientation last week and the number of parents who we discovered, they actually were giving out their email. So all of this communication yeah. that we were thinking was sending to students are going to parents. And so I would say we're, we're swinging more into the text, into the apps. Um, we actually launched our first app this year. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, and so I think we're definitely swinging more. Email and mail definitely has to happen for parents because you still have to market to that constituency, but it's not where the students are. The students live on their phone. Um, I can't believe two years ago I would be saying what I'm saying. I think Snapchat, I think TikTok is going to play a role in marketing mm-hmm. to students making their child, their college choices, which as a parent terrifies me, um, but <laughs> right. as a professional, I think that's where they're going. That's, yeah, that's really interesting, especially because I'm sure a lot of seasoned admissions professionals aren't spending a lot of time there, but of course, mm-hmm. where's the attention of the students? It's, you know, probably on those platforms, like you mentioned. Um, in terms of, uh, in terms of marketing careers, if a student right now is looking to go into a marketing profession, they're just getting out of school or maybe they're looking for an internship do you have any advice for those students as they're entering the world of marketing and sales and uh you know finding themselves perhaps in a college admissions office or maybe even not maybe just you know dipping their toes into the a career in marketing um any advice for a student in those shoes i would say always remember the phrase what's in it for me and that's what you have to think of when you're marketing to someone they don't I use this analogy a lot, especially when I taught um, an advertising promotion class here on campuses. A bag of fertilizer is ugly and it's a bag of fertilizer. So what do they sell? They sell you the outcome. They sell you the green grass, the parties you get to have in the backyard. So think of that whenever you do address the message. But I would say learn as much as you can, do as much research. There's no such thing as a dumb question. Ask questions and speak up. Um, A lot of the best ideas I have are actually from our student workers who kind of bring up a weird like, hey, what's this? What's going on with that? And you're like, okay, tell me why you're asking that question. And that's when you kind of really dig into it. It's not the big meetings on campus. It's usually from the students. That's really interesting. Yeah, people should listen to that one again because I think you're onto something when you say, yeah, when students are asking, you know, what is this postcard all about? Like, what is the message here? You, in admissions teams, you might have been looking at that postcard for a decade and saying, oh yeah, this is our application postcard but 
have you really evaluated that postcard in a while? So that's, uh, that's great. Um, speaking, uh, so you taught a class. That sounds pretty cool. And what yeah. was that experience like? Um, insane. Yeah, that sounds insane. But it was actually a ton of fun because it was an advertising and promotions class. And so I don't know if I'm supposed to say this. I use them as like my focus group for all of the That's commercials great, yeah. and everything we did. I was like, okay, tear this apart. And then they would tear this, what we thought <laughs> and use that in all these meetings. And that was this great thing. They would just tear it apart. And so it was really fun that way to learn from them. Um, and I think it gave us a better idea or myself a better idea of why kids come to college and seeing that light bulb moment come up um, when they finally figure out this isn't just what I'm supposed to do, but I'm going to get something good out of it was, it was awesome for me. That's really cool. Um, and I'm sure they gave you some good feedback in those focus groups. Oh, we got a lot of very interesting feedback, but it was, was that really, right? it was, I was way impressed with the input they had. I didn't think they would pay attention the way they did. Um, hmm. But it was pretty interesting, yeah. This was a class of seniors? Juniors and seniors. Juniors and seniors? Cool. Uh, are, are you going to do it again? Is that something that you're signing back up for? No, probably not. Um, no. I've started taking on more grant writing, so I've stepped back from the classroom. So. Got it. So grant writing seems like a big part of your role. What are some of the other, if someone's in an executive director for an enrollment management position right now and thinking, Maybe I want to take that next step and, you know, move into the chancellor's office. Uh, what might they expect? What are the biggest differences that you found? Um, for me, it's giving up control and trusting my staff um, and understanding mm -hmm. I can't be everywhere. Um, that's been the hardest thing for me. I have an amazing staff, um, mainly of alums now, which has really been a turning point, I think, um, for Northern mm -hmm. is hiring some of our alums back. But giving up the control, understanding time management, and just don't ever ask somebody to do something that you wouldn't do yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And how are you prioritizing those tasks? I think some of our listeners might have an endless to-do list, yep. which I imagine your to-do list gets quite long. So how do you prioritize? How do you, you know, how do you execute on a day-to-day? Um, this sounds old school, but I have a planner that I break into four squares. I have a to-do today, to-do this week, ongoing projects and stuff I can delegate. And I just redo mm -hmm. it every morning. Um, oh, that's great. I probably don't have the best work-life balance. Um, I do a lot of work at home at night after my kids go to sleep, um, which I probably should fix. Yeah, sometimes it's what's required. Yeah. Um, especially if that list of things that must get done you know, gets longer, then you sort of have to figure out, is there anything on here I can put in the delegate column? Yeah. Uh, because yes, this is not staying up till midnight is not sustainable, but maybe you don't stay up quite that late. But, I would uh, say the best thing I learned was to hire really great people. I wouldn't be yeah. anywhere near successful without the people who I have working with me. Um, and so that I think is the biggest thing was when you are on all the hiring committees, I think I served on 32 in a year. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, really kind of do a gut check before you do that hire offer and make sure that they'll fit and that they're a part of your team. Um, sometimes it's better to have an empty chair than to have somebody you've got to really worry about. So interesting. Do you have strategies for how to make sure that that person is a great fit? Is it, you know, collectively you all kind of agree that they pass the first impression test or how, how do you, how do you manage that? 
Um, I have some questions that I usually ask um, talking about why they want the job where they see themselves in five years um, that are pretty standard, but we do it's kind of like speed dating. Um, we have them meet with about five minutes of everybody who works because we're lucky enough that everybody at Supervise all works together in one big room um, with oh, offices nice. off of it. So they all kind of speed date with them and I have some staff who worked here for a really long time. Our director of financial aid has been here for like 35 years and her oh, gut. I will trust till the end of time. And so they really? have a one-on-one -on -one meeting and yeah, if everybody's kind of vibes with them, then we're good, but it's definitely more of a, do they have values? Are they a good person? Are they honest? And then you can teach almost everything else. Yeah. And that's really cool. Higher ed, hiring, I think can be hard uh, because there are a lot of check boxes that need to be checked first and then hire. But like you said, if you, if you find the right person and, there's a lot of buy-in. It can be a, it can be a win for everybody. So that's great. Um, let me see what, uh, what haven't I asked you about that you were hoping I would ask you about on, in terms of the marketing and sales side of, of higher ed. I would say that it's not like every other area of marketing. Um, yeah. It's marketing and investment in people's future, and which is a very different spin than when I was at the hotel chain or the casino, um, which was marketing fun. Um, you want to market right. fun with college, but it's definitely investment for the rest of their life and their future. And so really kind of remembering that student when you talk to them, when they walk across that graduation stage, did you give them what you promised and really keeping that in mind. Yeah. Yeah, it's e easier said than done, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, as you're as you're working on different are you you're still sending direct mail as a as a university in some ways we or sort of are but we're kind of to the family of and we're definitely hitting more mm -hmm. families with that and we actually do a lot more direct mail to counselors and principals um, oh interesting yeah because they seem to actually respond to that more which is cool a strange dynamic that we've discovered up here but they do better than that than emails i think because they're never in their office during the day so right they're just out and about in the school and right now is a crazy busy time for them i'm sure yeah are students back in your neck of the woods yeah we're back in person five days a week um back in person five days a week yeah it's it's really exciting to have students on campus last year was probably the hardest year i've ever had in education um really yeah it was a very hard First, we had to call them all at spring break and tell them don't come back and i don't know any enrollment person who was okay with making that phone call of saying don't come back to college um and then transitioning to online i mean we're 66 percent first generation low income or students with disabilities our students are not prepared to go online so we were driving hotspots around we were mailing laptops to students who didn't have technology um we were working with our faculty i mean we have a department here it's office of teaching and learning excellence who does all of our online learning and they're brainstorming ways of can they video work or voice memo record a paper because all they have is their phone and they don't have a laptop. How do we help students be successful? So that was a not only dealing with the emotions of living in a pandemic, but understanding the obstacles that our students faced. It was a really hard year and a half. Yeah. So having them back is awesome. That's good. Yeah, I think everyone's breathing a little bit of breath of fresh air, thinking, okay, you know, things are getting somewhat back to normal uh, after last year's craziness uh not soon to be forgotten is the pandemic of 2020 that's for sure um well good um Maura, that's all i've got today um 
yeah, I really appreciate your time. And I, I think this will be a great episode for folks to listen to that are thinking about a career in higher ed marketing who are currently in higher ed marketing thinking, you know, what's sort of my next step in my career. Uh, you've certainly seemed to advance at a rapid pace through the <laughs> higher ed, uh, yeah. you know, steps, which is really exciting to see. And congratulations again. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, everybody, that is a wrap on this great episode. Thank you, Maura, for an amazing interview. If you are interested in being a guest on Cutting Through the Noise, please email team at pintlergroup.com. We look forward to hearing from you soon, and have a great day.